In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was talking to someone recently, and I found myself giving a recommendation, or perhaps a commendation is really the right word for this. The general sense of what I was saying was, um, I saw this guy once do something that really demonstrated his integrity and his commitment to his work, and uh, in my mind, it solidified his reputation, and from then on, he's never lowered the bar. You know, he's always, he's always met that standard. Now, this could be a commendation, but a less formal way to put it was that I was singing this guy's praises, right? Now, you might be a little more interested in this story if you know who I'm talking about. Or you, you still might not care, but I think the name would at least, well, I don't know, maybe I know that guy. Oh yeah, and maybe I can resonate with that story too. The story of mine is less interesting without the name. I'm not gonna tell you the name, sorry. Maybe you can ask me later. Did you know that God has a name? And I don't mean the name God. And I don't mean the name Jesus. Do you know what God's name is? Do you wanna know God's name? Everywhere you run into the capitalized Lord, all caps, in the Bible, you're coming across the personal name of God. And this Lord, in all caps, or, you know, the, the L is bigger, but the rest of them are all still in, in capital letters, too. It stands for the name that Moses heard when God introduced himself in Exodus chapter 3. And it goes like this, Exodus 3, this is starting in verse 13. And Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Now, God did not introduce himself to Moses in the English words, I am who I am. That's our translation of this Hebrew word. And in ancient times, this name of God was considered to be so sacred that it wasn't even pronounced. Instead, the earliest Greek editions of the scriptures started substituting the Greek word kurios instead, which might sound a little bit like the kyrie that we sing, Lord have mercy, right? It's the same word. And in the Hebrew texts, the scribes would take the vowels from this Hebrew word Adonai, which means Lord, and they would put those vowels in between the consonants that we recognize as Y-H-W-H. And they came up with this thing, this word called Jehovah, which is not actually the name of God. It's a way to say God's name without saying God's name. It's a degree removed from the actual name of God because it's vowels of another word, Lord, with the consonants that were given to Moses. So I'll ask you again, do you, do you want to know his name? His name is Yahweh. His name is Yahweh. And anytime you say, Alleluia, you're saying, praise Yahweh. Names like Elijah 
Adonijah, Elisha, you know, any, anything that is like that. There are a lot of those names in the, in the Old Testament. Those are all referencing the name of God. He says, this is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. The one who was, who is, and who will be. The one who causes to be. The I am. Yahweh. And so then the psalm for Holy Trinity that we spoke responsibly a moment ago begins like this. Oh, Yahweh, our Lord. You can look in your bulletin. And there it is. Oh, Lord, our Lord. Those two lords are not the same. Oh, Yahweh, our Lord, how majestic is your name. Your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength. Silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. And David, the psalmist, goes on to say, Your creation is so marvelous, it is so beautiful, it is so glorious. What are we humans that you are even aware of us? That you're mindful of us? That you even notice us? If you've lived out here in the country for even a short time, like me, you know that the night sky can really blow you away. On a clear night, with just enough breeze to keep the bugs out, you know? Or maybe, maybe you go out and do this in the winter. You know, you bundle up and go out when there aren't any bugs. And you see, you look up and you see God's glory and power on full display. On this, on a clear night, perhaps with no moon. And if you can picture that, if you have fond memories of that, or if, you know, you've seen that your whole life and it's nothing special, then let me offer you another perspective, okay? If the distance between the sun and the earth, which by the way, is 93 million miles, if we shrink that down, to just 10 feet, then the distance from the sun to Mars is 15 feet. You know, sun, Mars, you know, we're starting. I didn't take this out on the floor on the aisle, but you know, if you can eyeball about 15 feet, right? Okay, then the distance from the, from the sun to Jupiter is probably at the back door, 52 feet. The distance from the sun to Neptune is 300 feet. And the distance between the sun and the nearest star is 506 miles. And there are at least 100 billion stars in the Milky Way. 100 billion stars. Can you imagine 100 billion of anything? Maybe gnats. That's probably close. There are 100 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. The closest one, right, when that, with that scale, it's 506 miles, uh, but actually the closest star is 25 trillion miles away. If you got in a car and traveled 60 or maybe 65, you know, the country speed limit, 68, <laughs> however fast the farmer behind you wants to go, um, then it would take you like 40 million years to get to that star. Think of the scale the vastness of space. And you look up and see, and you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Oh, shooting star. And not every shining object that you can see in the night sky is just a star. Sometimes you look up and you see a galaxy, maybe without even knowing it. And each galaxy contains hundreds of billions of more stars, each with unimaginable sizes, right? There are stars out there that make our sun look like just tiny, right? If the Earth is the size of a pea, you know, kids, those things that your parents always make you eat? Little peas. Throwing up butter and salt and pepper on them next time. Watch them go down, right? 
Our sun, then, is twice the size of a basketball, and the largest star in our galaxy is over a half mile across, compared to our sun that, you know, I look out and I see some faces, not so much this week, everybody's pretty tan, but like last Sunday, man, there were some pink faces in here. 93 million miles away, that sun still does its work on us. And there are stars that are 14, 1,500 times bigger in our galaxy. Oh, Yahweh, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. The name of God is associated with his glory, with his deeds. And in today's Holy Gospel, we find another name for God. And along with that name, we're given a command from Yahweh incarnate, that is our Lord Jesus Christ, to baptize in that name. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Just as God told Moses, I've come down to rescue my people. This is Exodus 3. God says to Moses, I have heard their cry. I've come down to rescue my people from their slavery to Pharaoh. I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. And when they ask for my name, tell them that Yahweh sent you. So now Jesus tells the church, I came down to rescue my people from the power of sin and death and the devil, right? The parallels between Moses and Jesus, they're everywhere. Jesus says, I'm sending you, not to Pharaoh, but to all the nations to baptize them, to make disciples. And when you baptize them, baptize them into this name. This is the name you're supposed to use, the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's the big deal with baptism? Why does Jesus, why doesn't he just say, ah, tell them the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit sent you. Do everything in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What's the big deal with baptism? Here we are again in a Lutheran church talking about baptism. Well, what we learn from Psalm 8 is that Yahweh, our triune God, is mindful of us. He's aware of us. But without baptism into Christ's perfect life, into his sacrificial death into his resurrection for our justification. Do we want God to be mindful of us? Do you want the God who's created the vastness of space and rules over it all to know exactly where you are, exactly what you're doing, and be mad about it as we've broken his law? Without Jesus crucified for you, without being baptized into his death and resurrection, the God who is so big and powerful that he presides over this unimaginable vastness of space, it kind of just breaks your brain. You know, it's like divided by zero. You get an error. It's too big, too big to wrap your arms around. That God still sees you. When you look out on a dark night, and you see the stars, and you maybe see the aurora, and you look out into space and you feel so small, something very big is looking back at you. And you know what Yahweh sees is sin. We heard in the first reading the account of the creation. Yahweh said light, and there was light. The account of creation is almost liturgical. There's almost these responses. It's like when the pastor says, the Lord be with you. Sometimes you say amen, and sometimes you say also with you. God said, 
And it was so. And God saw that it was good, right? And it was so. So God commands light to be. He told stars to shine, waters to separate, land to appear, atmosphere to materialize, land and life to exist. He created animals, all of the fruits according to their kinds and all, all of that stuff, the livestock, the creeping things. And then he created us, Adam and Eve, male and female, you and me. And he said, love and obey me. And we said, no. We said, no. And we still say, no. I don't want to. I don't do what I want to do. You might think you might be alone, so you watch that show, you click on that link, you might have another drink, you might pocket this or that for yourself. You don't ever come back to me. That's the lie we tell ourselves. Do you understand there's no hiding from Yahweh? There's no bargaining, there's no negotiating, there's no pleading. He does not forget, he sees, he knows. Remember the scale illustration from earlier, right? There are 200 billion trillion stars in the universe. And I don't even know what that means, but I found something that's a little more helpful. For every grain of sand on the earth, it's estimated that there are 10,000 stars in the universe. <coughs> now you just go to the beach. I was, I, my, my kids just had a beach day this past week, and they came back and the sand is falling out everywhere. In the towels and the swim, you're in the swimsuits. For every little grain of sand that gets stuck underfoot and is so aggravating, you know, on a bare, on a hard floor. 10,000 stars. Yahweh rules over it all. Psalm 147 verse 4 says, He counts the stars. We can't count them, but He does. And get this, He calls them by name. I've got four kids and sometimes I get their names mixed up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yahweh calls the stars by name. You think Yahweh doesn't notice our sin? You think Yahweh isn't angry about how we have defied him and broken his law? You think Yahweh has too much on his plate to deal with you? This is why baptism is so important. This is why Yahweh incarnate said, baptize in the church, baptize into the name, into my name, into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One commentator on this says, baptism into this name is the assurance that God is not only mindful, but that he's gracious. He knows and saves. He baptizes and he teaches. He forgives and he enlivens. More than that, Jesus' promise in verse 20 provides assurance of his gracious presence which knows no boundaries of space or time. He will be with them everywhere they go, no matter how small and insignificant they may feel. Friends, through your baptism into the triune name, the vastness, the grandeur, the power that we see in Yahweh's creation, that's a comfort and an encouragement because that is all oriented for your good now. Your sins are not remembered anymore. Think about that. The, the, the God who numbers the stars and calls them by name says, I will remember your sins no more. Of all the inconceivable distances and sizes and numbers we've mentioned today, none of them is so big that Jesus' love for you falls short or that his power for your life is too meager or that his capacity to care for you is too small. 
Praise and glory be to the one who is with us always, even to the end of the age. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.